0: Thank you so much. That is our text this morning that we will be preaching this fourth Sunday of Advent. Uh, Before I get to the text, I just want to encourage you uh, towards just that you would be intentionally, even strategically thinking, what does your life in God's word look like in 2023? Um, so that we're not just kind of drifting around in 2023 when it relates to God's word. is his, his word is worth it. It's worth some attention. It's worth some end of the year focus to think through, how do I want to approach God's word? Okay, so... Um, on our website, you can go there. There are different reading plans that are available uh, to you. You want to read through the Bible in a year or two years or more, whatever that might be. It's not, it's not um, you know, some, some box to check that we're talking about. It's, it's that intentional, thoughtful, how do I want to approach God's Word, um, whether you read through it in a year or two or five it's that daily, I want to be in God's Word. So please, please hear me on that and be considering that. And uh, yeah, we're going to preach Revelation 19 this morning. Well, I met her when I was, when I was 16. She was 15. We dated for five years. I began saving for a engagement ring, a wedding ring. And I asked her to marry me on Lake Eola in Orlando. And then our wedding day was getting closer and closer in the anticipation of our wedding day. There's nothing quite like it. Outside of the anticipation of a child. That till death do us part commitment was the picture up there. Okay, it is. Okay, yeah, so. It's a few years ago. <laughs> it's a few years ago. We were young and in love, and we knew we wanted to spend the rest of our lives together. Do you remember that anticipation for your wedding day or, or that anticipation, like I said, of the birth of a, of, of a child? I've stood next to many a groom at many, many weddings, as that groom is anticipating his bride, and there's just this building sense of anticipation and suspense. There's nothing quite like that moment. Bridesmaid after bridesmaid after bridesmaid. Sometimes nine of them walking in. And then the song changes. And now it's the bridal song. And the doors open. And there's some guy standing back there with that bride. And that's all he, he sees. And, and and you've seen it. Some some of us, some of you fall apart at that moment, right? Like, wow, that's that's my bride. That's the woman that I will spend my life with. Kim and I, well, we we smiled so much that day, we said, you know, at the end of the day, our face hurts. You know, our muscles aren't used to just that constant smiling and just that joy. Well, welcome to Advent. Welcome to the anticipation. The marriage supper of the Lamb is what Justin just read for us a few minutes ago. Before we dive in, let's pause and pray. Lord, would you now just come and and be with us and meet with us as we preach your word. Lord, we recognize that without your spirit's presence, they're just words floating out into the air, Lord. But by your spirit, these words have life, Lord. They, they cut in our heart, Lord. They, they, they transform us, Lord. We, we come to a place of repentance and faith, Lord, and, and for the believer, a place of just glorious worship, Lord, so we're asking for you to to be with us as we preach through this text, that we might Advent well this morning, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, well, my first point is just this, Advent, Advent, and I want to say Advent now, today, this fourth Sunday of Advent, and Advent all year, meaning 2023, Advent, the, the fourth Sunday, um, of, of what I've been calling Adventing. <laughs> I know it's a noun, but I'm trying to, to work it as a verb because I want us to think of Advent as not something passive, but as something we actively do, that we're Adventing this Advent season. But I also, in calling us to Advent, I want to point out some things as it relates to 2023. Okay, and in some way, give you some sense of vision for next year. And I don't think those two things are two separate things. They're not two separate categories that we're talking about this morning. I believe that the two things are more closely connected than we might first realize. Because Advent isn't simply the four Sundays that take place after Thanksgiving. Advent is the Christian life. As we wait, not for Christmas but we are awaiting the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In some sense, every Sunday is Advent Sunday. And I feel that during the week. I regularly just feel this tug of Sunday's coming. I can't wait for Sunday. I look forward and I anticipate Sunday, that day of the week when the church gathers together and worships Not separately in our homes, not separately as we drive down the road, but together, voices gathered, singing the praise of our God. And I can't wait for Sunday. Two hours out of the week. All week, in a sense, is a preparation for Sunday. As Trinity gathers to corporately worship our Lord and Savior. Well, the lead up to Revelation 19... Is 17 and 18. <laughs> Seventeen and eighteen is well the, the revelation is this vision um, that's being brought to John while he's exiled on the island of Patmos. And chapters 17 and 18 tell of this great destruction of Babylon. We're not going to read those chapters this morning, just to help you give some context to chapter 19. So 17 and 18 tells us the great destruction of Babylon. And what we need to know is Babylon represents this world, civilization. Babylon represents the lofty pride and the assumed wisdom and the rejection of the wisdom of God, rejection of God's grace, God's salvation. Uh, that is Babylon. And friends, that's where we live, Okay. Revelation calls Babylon the great harlot because she holds civilization under her seduction. And so, chapter 18, verse 2 tells us that Babylon has now fallen. Then, in verse 21, we see this mighty angel take up a stone and throw it into the sea. And he says, This so will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence. And will be found no more. Then in chapter 19, John becomes so overwhelmed by what he hears from this angel that he drops down to his knees and he worships the angel. At which point, the angel corrects him. We'll get to that later. But right response, wrong person, <laughs> right? Response, good job, John. Hit your knees, worship. Wrong person. Well, Revelation is at its simplest form, okay? If we were just to break it down, break it down, break it down, it's about the worship of the right person, okay? So if you, if you take Revelation in its simplest form, it's not about what we often make it be about. Revelation in its simplest form is not about this time or that time or this geography or that geography. At its simplest form, it is about the worship of the right person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation exists to point us to that ultimate worship service. You could say of Revelation, it's just an eternal call to worship. And that's the goal of Trinity. Trinity exists, what? To treasure Christ. When we we first penned that, what we were trying to communicate there is Trinity exists for worship. To see the value, the glory, the worthiness of our God. We exist to worship him. Well, that's not just the goal of Trinity. Trinity didn't make that up, and it didn't come out of the sky out of nowhere. That's the goal of the entire Bible. That is the goal from Genesis through to the very end to Revelation. The goal is worship. Incarnation. What's the goal? It's worship. What's the goal this morning? And when we say Advent, the the goal of Advent Is right worship. It's to it's to place one's heart and worship at the right feet. John missed. Wrong feet. (laughs) Right response, wrong feet. Wrong feet. Emmanuel, God with us, that is to invoke, that is to to call us to this sense of this worship. The virgin birth, the life of Christ, His his death on a criminal's cross, His resurrection, His one-day return. It is to say to us, praise be to our God. He's worthy. Praise Him today, this Advent. But praise Him in 2023 52 other Sundays where we will gather and worship him. Because you were made for this. You were created for worship, but you are fallen. Christ came, and if you are a follower of Christ, he redeemed you for this, for worship. Your very existence is for the worship of God. So fall on your knees and worship him. What are we going to do today at Trinity? Well, we're going to worship him. What are we going to do next week? It's Christmas morning. Questions that, you know, about that. Some churches, you know, are we, going to, are we going to meet? We're not going to meet? What are we going to do? We're going to meet. We're going to worship God on Christmas morning. I just, I, the, the last time we had a Christmas day, I, I had to miss it. There, there might be reasons where you have to miss it, but can I just encourage you? If you're local and you're in town, I can't wait to be together next Sunday. I get to do Christmas morning with you. We get to do this together. Uh, It's why it's important. You may be here. You might be a guest. Uh, You might be in town visiting family. Can I just encourage you? Find a local church and get involved. Get involved in 2023, because this, this is Christ the King. So the goal of Genesis all the way through to the very end of Revelation, there's just one goal. It's worship. The worship of the only one who's worthy of all of creation's worship. So can I just say to us, renounce Babylon renounce Babylon, renounce and all of her seductions, all of her uh, offers of wealth and fame and pleasures and just endless, endless, endless entertainments that seek to distract us from what is of greater glory and value because we so easily bow at the wrong feet. So Advent every Sunday of 2023 and, and Advent, Christmas... In Advent, he will come again. Because the seduction of Babylon is relentless, she will not cease to seek you out, us out. So if I could say 2023 at Trinity, less Babylon and more Bethlehem. So today and all of next year, we will corporately gather to remind each other that Christ is Lord over Babylon. To remind each other that he came born as a baby, died a criminal's death, rose from the grave. He will return for his bride. Praise him. He is worthy. Revelation exists to call us to that worship, to invite us to join in on heaven's joy, to lift up our voices with a, with a loud voice voice with a loud shout to our God, Sundays at Trinity 2023, it's a gathering of God's people as they step out from Babylon and we come together to one, find strength to reject Babylon's seductions, two, to find our hope and joy in the cross of Christ and His work alone, and three, to gather and celebrate the glories of God our King. Because Sunday is no religious duty Please do not be here out of religious duty. It is absolutely a glorious gospel delight to come together. John Piper says it like this, And therefore worship is an open declaration to all the powers of heaven and to all of Babylon that we will not prostitute our minds or our hearts or our bodies to all the allurements of this world. Though we may live in Babylon, we will not be captive to Babylonian Babylonian ways. And we will celebrate with all our might the awesome truth that we are free from that which will be destroyed. Amen. So again, you might be new to Trinity, you might be a guest traveling through, might be your first time here. If you don't have a home church, I want to invite you. I want to welcome you. I want to say we would love to have you. We'd like to meet you and get to know you and bring you in and be a part. We'd love to see you serving God together alongside one another in 2023. But you might be here and you have a home church and you might be visiting through. Can I just say same thing? I want to see you back at your home church. I want to see you here. I want to see you at your home church where you're serving God and worshiping with the people of God there in your home church. So let's Advent. Let's Advent today. And let's Advent 2023. All right. Now more particular to the text. There are five surprising Advent moments from Revelation 19. I say surprising simply because when we typically think of Advent, you're probably thinking, well, Luke 2. Matthew 1. Isaiah 7 or 9. We covered Galatians 4 a few weeks ago. There's a, a lot of different places that we could go for Advent. You might not be thinking Revelation 19. So five surprising Advent moments from Revelation 19. Number one, Advent calls us to worship. It calls us to worship. So chapter 19 is loud, you just need to know that. Well, revelation is loud in and of itself. But after this, I heard, verse 1, what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, hallelujah, salvation and glory and power to our God. Now, why, why the cries? Why, why the loud voices in heaven? For his judgments are true and just. Listen carefully. For he has judged the great prostitute, that is Babylon, that is this, this world, who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Okay, that's, that's, that's the reason for the loud celebratory worship. He has avenged the blood of his servants. So what are we talking about? Well, what verse two is talking about is that throughout history, God's people have been waiting and anticipating and waiting and waiting because throughout history, God's people have been persecuted. They have been fed to lions, burned at the stake, lit on fire to light up Nero's gardens. It's still going on in other parts of the world. I know we live in the American bubble, but the reality is is there are Christians today who are suffering because they serve Christ. Well, what Revelation verses 1 and 2 is saying, there's a loud voice worshiping God because there will be a day when they will be avenged. God's people throughout history around the world will be avenged now to be clear we're not talking about just everyday suffering we're not talking about suffering like I've had cancer suffering we're talking about suffering because I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ I'm persecuted because I'm following Christ reality is, is I can't say that I've suffered for Christ living in America My life has never been threatened. I've not been imprisoned. I've not been beaten an inch from my life, from death, for my faith. I've read about the martyrs, those who were burned at the stake. I've told you of my favorite martyrs, Ridley, Latimer, Cranmer, the English reformers who were burned at the stake. I call them my friends, but I don't know them. I call them my friends because I feel like I can take books off the shelf and do coffee with them, but I look forward to the day to be able to talk with these guys who were burned at the stake because they followed Christ. I want to talk to Cranmer. I'm going to interpret in my own own words, but Cranmer was the one who said... Um, well, he denied Christ under threat of, of, of his life. He denied Christ. And then he recanted his recant. And so when he was burned at the stake, he put his hand in the fire and said, the hand that signed that recantation, let it burn first. In front of a crowd of people. Oh, I've not suffered for Christ Well, what Revelation is doing is it's helping us to see there will be a day of ultimate judgment on Babylon and the blood of all the saints who have gone before us, who have been persecuted, who really know about suffering for Christ. Their blood will be avenged. And Advent calls us. It calls us to worship today and on that day, Revelation 19 day, because Christ is returning. And on that day, those who have suffered for Christ... There will be just this loud worship. And Advent calls us to that day. You know, on a small scale, I regularly pray, God, vindicate your word to this lost and dying world. Vindicate your word before this world that mocks it and rejects it. God, would you vindicate yourself and your word as we preach week after week, and and Revelation 19 shouts back at me with a loud heavenly voice, I will absolutely vindicate the word. Number two, Advent shows us who God is. So verse six, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude like a roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. First of all, what did that voice sound like? Can, you just, can we just pause a moment and consider that voice, that roar of mighty waters, that mighty peals of thunder, and the crying out, what did all that sound like? Because I've stood at the base of waterfalls, and probably you have too. I've, I've rowed on that made-of-mist boat tour at the bottom of Niagara Falls. I've heard that crashing of the waterfall stood on the beaches as thundering waves crash on the shore. I've run like a little girl at the clap of thunder that landed seemingly nearby. Can you imagine this sound? What are we talking about here? This mighty waters and mighty peals of thunder and this crying out, hallelujah, for the Lord Our God, the Almighty, reigns. He reigns, which means they sing because because this king has ultimate victory. He reigns. They shout because his will will be done. They shout because the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate suffering, is none other than Christ himself. He himself will be vindicated on this day. And so with thundering voices, the multitudes are celebrating who Christ is. Who is he? He is the Lord, our God, the Almighty who reigns. Victory belongs to our God. Salvation, they will say in other places. Verse number one, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. This is our God of salvation. What must of the thundering voices must sound like. Christ rules and he reigns today and he will rule and reign tomorrow. Humanity is always jockeyed for position. Who will rule? Who will reign? This is done on grand scales and small scales. Grand scales, kings and presidents and prime ministers and dictators. Small scale, moms and dads, me and you, sons and daughters. We're all jockeying for position. Who will rule? Who will reign? The lust to be the Lord God, the Almighty? Well, that just takes us back to the Garden of Eden. That's just common flair for fallen creatures like ourselves. It's what drives politics. Who will be the Lord, the Almighty? It's what drives Hollywood. It's what drives sports. But it's also what drives our hearts. We want to be the almighty reigns. It's why we get angry. It's why we lose our temper. It's why we get fearful. It's why we're impatient. Because we want to be almighty. We want to have ultimate control. And when we lose control, we respond. We don't like it. We get impatient. We get angry. There's a reason why veins are popping out of facial. There's a reason why there's tears. There's a reason why there's this, this feeling in our gut of nervousness when uh, some, uh, we don't have control. And it reminds us, I want it. Belongs to the Lord. Domitian proclaimed himself to be the Lord God The Almighty. And Advent reminds us that God will have the last word. He came in the fullness of time, Galatians 4, and he will come again at the right time. He is the Lord God, our God, the Almighty who reigns. There is none who compares to his might. How silly of us or any of humanity to think otherwise. How proud it is of humanity to exalt itself, the created, over the creator. How foolish is this of the hearts of man. But Babylon, Babylon, right? In our day, it, pe- it looks like it's winning. Is Babylon winning? amazing how quick the downfall of culture we are in a quick dive into greater and greater forms of evil in our day we find ourselves in unprecedented places where evil is defended in our courts wickedness is celebrated in our streets and it's governed into our laws and there is no end in sight To Babylon's demise. And yet, verse 6 reminds us, Advent reminds us, this will end. Because the Lord, our God, the Almighty, he reigns. This will end. And while it may appear that Babylon is winning. Babylon is not the Lord God Almighty. And that position is not up for a vote. Christ is king. The Lord God is sovereign and he will reign forever. And so hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns, which is why, number three, Advent leads us to joy. Verse seven. Actually, I'll back up. Verse six in its context. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like a roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, "Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns." Let us rejoice, and exult, and give Him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. I'll pause there. But 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 Hallelujah! Why? Well, well, let let us rejoice. Let us exalt, let's give him glory. It should fill the heart of the believer living in Babylon in all the uncertainty of living in Babylon. Joy. Why? Oh, because the coming marriage of the Lamb, the bride has made herself ready. How do we live In this world, while we wait for verse six, sometimes as Christians, we can just be depressed at the world's worldliness. I don't think that should be our posture. Yes, certainly there should be a sense of grief, certainly there should be a sense of sadness as we see the darkness of this lost world. And yet there should also be this great joy in knowing this will one day end and he will reign forever. Let there be joy in the suffering. Let there be joy to the world. The Lord has come because the Lord will come again. So, what new wickedness and what new suffering might come our way in 2023? We, we don't know. Now, sure, the answer to that, there will be greater wickedness and there will be greater suffering in 2023. But what we do know is that whatever comes in 2023, the Lord our God. The Almighty, He reigns. Number four. Advent declares to us that the best is yet to come. Let us rejoice, verse seven, and exalt and give Him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. We are adventing. We're waiting we're anticipating. We're anticipating this great wedding feast. Now, I've got a whole lot of notes here, and I'm just going to tell you this. You'll hear them in two weeks, because I want to tackle this. I'm just going to jump past some of my notes here. I want to tackle it at our next communion, because it's going to be appropriate to communion. So in two weeks, we'll do communion together, and just hold this sermon in the back of your mind, okay? Because well, because this is a this is a this is a wedding feast. All right, and food plays a primary role throughout scripture. All right, okay, I'm tempted to go there. Let's not go there. Let's save it for two weeks. Alright, so jumping down, scrolled away. Alright, as believers, we're anticipating this feast, this meal, and every time we take communion, it's a real reminder, right? We're even told, remember. And what we're remembering is what he did in the past, but we're also remembering this is what's to come. This is just a small, like literally a taste of eternity where there will be a marriage supper of the lamb. It's a reminder while we live in Babylon. We enjoy that bread, that cup, and we remember what he's done and we remember what he will do in the future. And so it's a marriage supper. Could the Bible make things any clearer? It's the final completion of our union in Christ. So the prophets, Isaiah and Hosea, they spoke to this, to God's marriage to Israel, unfaithful Israel. They wrote, Hosea 2, and I will betroth you, God speaking of Israel, to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. Isaiah 54, for your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name and the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. The God of the whole earth he is called for the Lord has called you like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit like a wife of youth when she is cast off, says your God. You see, we Advent today in that we are actively waiting for the groom who is Christ to come for his bride, who is the church, to take us home to that eternal place that He is preparing for us. More on that in two weeks. Number five, Advent close us for the wedding feast. Verse eight will turn, turn the dial, if you will, uh, on the camera. On the lens. It's going to help us to zoom in or to get focus on the gospel. Again, verse 7 let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. She she makes herself ready. She's she's bright and pure it says. So 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 give her the glory, right? No. Give God glory. Why? Well, there's a little phrase in there. You probably caught it at the start of verse number 8. It was granted her. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen bright and pure for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints that is gospel speak right there it is a gospel focus this is ultimate advent moment that we're awaiting for where we are granted the appropriate clothing for the occasion let me ask you what are you planning to clothe yourself with on that day because there are some, you're here this morning and you're thinking, I'm gonna clothe myself in my own righteousness. I'm good enough to stand before God. My actions, my activity, I've been good, been a good person. Look, you're, you're, you're looking at the Lord God Almighty more as if he's a Santa Claus looking at you who's been naughty or nice. Stand before the Lord. Clothe in your own righteousness. Be morally honest with yourself. Be morally honest with yourself. They're filthy racks. What will you clothe yourself with? Well, the bride makes herself ready by putting on what is granted to her. And the prodigal son returned. Right? Having been eating among the pigs, filthy and nasty, and the father ran to the son, embraced him, and he says this, Bring quickly the best robe. That would have been the father's robe. Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, kill the fattened calf, because we're going to have a feast. And you're not coming to the feast dressed like that. I've got clothes for you. Hear me, please. Christ provides the right clothes. Clothe yourself in the righteousness of Christ. Now, you might be here and you may be thinking, what in the world does he mean? Put your faith in what Christ has accomplished for you on the cross. What does that mean? It means he took your sins, he took your dirty clothes, and he gave you his righteousness. When we say that we're saved by faith in Christ alone, we're talking about this faith. I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to clothe me. I don't want to stand before God clothed in my righteousness. I, I've got no standing. We stand in Christ's righteousness. Praise be to God. The clothes that was granted her, the clothes that he provides. I've got a book sitting here on the pulpit. It's called, I'm gonna attempt to do this. Um, Alexandra, help me. El Sacerdote de los Ropajes. Susios, I might not even be anywhere close. All right, so Christian's probably laughing on screen right now. Um, It's the priest in dirty clothes, and it was given to me for my birthday. I got got five of these children's books written by R.C. Sproul, and you just need to know this one. This one's been read in our house for so many years when the kids were young. If you don't have this one, Biden English, all right? Like, this, this is my favorite. This is one of my favorite books. Like, I've got thick theology books. This is one of my favorites. Why? Well, the priest is to come and he's to preach before the king. And on his journey to the palace, his clothing gets all dirty. And that's part of the picture there. It gets all dirty. Well, the accuser tells him, you can't preach before the king dressed like that. And he knows it to be true. And he's, so he's stuck in this quandary. What will he, what will he do? And he's told, well, you need, to, you need to go see the prince. And he goes and visits the prince. And the prince tells him, you go to that event and you plan to preach. So he goes and he shows up and the accuser, you can't preach in those clothes. It's when the prince shows up, says, "I brought you mine. Now preach before the king." And it's just a glorious picture. We have been clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And at this point, Revelation 19, and if I could have the worship team join me, At this point, John is so completely overwhelmed, as I mentioned earlier, he falls on his knees and he starts to worship the angel. (laughs) I find that just a little bit humorous. But he's so undone. And the angel has to correct him. Verse 10, then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So even in the midst of all of this glory, even John himself, in the midst of all of this glorious moment, he he got it wrong. And I think so too we often... Right response, wrong feet. We worship to Babylon. I want to remind you that we advent a person. The person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're, we're not adventing. We're not counting down the days. And I'm not knocking this. It's not, don't hear what I'm not saying. But when it comes to, to what we're preaching... We're not adventing the presents. That's not what we're adventing to. It's not not the hot chocolate. It's not the perfect Christmas morning or the perfect Christmas meal. We, we, We don't advent just any old thing as it relates to Christmas Day. We advent the perfect Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Lord our God, who reigns forever he is the almighty and we worship him and we worship him alone that is what we have sought to do in this advent season it's been a call it's been a four-week sunday call to refocus to to help us get a vision for worship the lord our god the almighty he reigns and the, the the hymn writers got it right Come, let us adore him. Christ our King. Bow on your knees. Don't adore him, church, out of guilt or out of some sort of religious duty. Adore him out of a gospel delight. It has been granted to you the close that are needed to stand before our God. So I want to welcome you to feast day. Every Sunday is feast day. Even as we live this side of eternity, even as we live in this Babylon, it is a feast day that is always anticipating and adventing, anticipating and anticipating and anticipating we're waiting for that day the marriage supper of the Lamb. Would you stand with me? Let's sing to our God.